the reading of the Scriptures from Acts chapter 4, uh, reading verses 32 to 37. I invite your uh, hearing of God's Word, <clears throat> hearing in faith and with joy that we have the words of God in Scripture. Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. Thus, Joseph, who is also called by the apostles Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, a Levite, a native of Cyprus, sold a field that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. We, uh, we spend uh, considerable uh, time, amounts of time and money uh, in our culture on uh, physical appearances. Uh, nothing at all wrong with that. Uh, we certainly should uh, do that to a measure. But the same thing also is uh, true in our spiritual lives. Uh, we, we should uh, engage uh, uh, issues respecting our appearance. What do we look like? as a people of God, as a, as a church. Uh, in many respects, uh, it's a gift from God by the Holy Spirit uh, because He gifts us with respect to an identity, with respect to actions, purely a gift. We were undeserving, unworthy, unmerited, but the Spirit invades our hearts and uh, begins to change our appearance. Uh, and the scriptures are a mirror to remind us what we're to look like. Uh, and that is, uh, in a measure, what we have in our text this morning. Uh, we have a picture of what the church should look like. Uh, Luke probably is giving us a summary, uh, and he's stressing the continuity of the church uh, with uh, our Savior in terms of a national unity in terms of a qualitative change in witness. Again, not a new witness, because the witness in the Old Testament is the same as the witness in New, but certainly there's a qualitative change because of the Spirit. And, and then again, the content of the witness. Again, the content is not new either. Same content in the Old Testament as there is now in the New. Uh, but it is, a, it is a mirror to remind us of uh, national unity of the church of uh, qualitative uh, uh, efforts in witness, and again, the content of witness. It's what we should look like uh, as, as Grace Bible Church. So see it as a mirror, and the constituent part that you play as an individual uh, regarding the, the collective whole. Uh, and in our text this morning, the Spirit works in an uncommon unity and power 
uh, and in witness to advance the new people of God. So the Spirit, again, creates a Spirit lowercase, uh, Spirit Holy Spirit uppercase is going to create a Spirit lowercase of uh, unity and witness. Unity and witness. Uh, and we're going we're gonna to begin uh, uh, with the aspect of unity uh, and then uh, look at uh, witness. Uh, but it should not escape our notice that this is an eschatological event. Uh, something cataclysmic is happening. It happened in Acts 2. It's like the eruption of a volcano. Something dramatic and new is happening. The coming of the Spirit. Uh, and begins with uh, the twelve apostles, reminding us of the twelve tribes of Israel should not be lost upon us. Because I believe there's a new Israel being stood up uh, qualitatively uh, with a greater sense of unity, qualitatively with a greater respect to witness, and certainly with respect to the content. Old Testament, they were looking forward to the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. You and I look backwards at it and all that it means for the people of God. Uh, the, uh, the aftershocks are uh, visibly evident. And we'll uh, continue to study as we go through the book of Acts. Uh, the immediate context of which this text fits within is chapter 3, verse 1, to chapter 8, verse 4, and the end time gathering of the people of God. Uh, the, uh, the Old Testament uh, announces that in the future God will begin great revival. Guess what we're studying in the book of Acts? Great revival. Uh, and the Old Testament, of course, announces opposition. Uh, we're going to uh, study opposition. It's already begun. Chapter 4, verses 18 and 25. We're going to see a, uh, a new aspect of that opposition beginning in chapter 5, verse 1. Uh, and this will, of course, intensify to the end of the book. As should what we look like should intensify until the end of the book. And uh, really for us, a continuing application until the end of the age and Jesus Christ visibly and physically comes uh, to rescue His people. Uh, it's important to connect the opposition that's going to intensify with the opposition with Christ, who is Israel, and His sufferings upon the cross, as beginning the end time tribulation. Again, we don't oftentimes think in those terms, but we should, because we should be thinking God's thoughts after Him, and we should be thinking uh, systemically. Uh, and uh, Christ answered his tribulation with unity and witness. Uh, he continued to witness and he was unified with the triune Godhead. He was one with the Spirit and one with the Father. And so how should we answer? Uh, unity uh, with our uh, beloved Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and of course, uh, the Trinity as well. Uh, unity. 
it is uh, implicit here as the reason for uh, love expressed in sharing of the proceeds of the voluntary sale of a property to those suffering. Yeah, suffering needs, but suffering what else? Tribulation. Uh, and so uh, the church in love begins to give. Based upon what? God the Father gave to us and God the Son. It becomes something of a benchmark. And that again is the mirror. The unity of the church responding to needs because of the presence of uh, persecution, uh, the presence uh, of the Spirit, uh, presence of uh, love of brother. Well, the Spirit works in uncommon unity as evidence of the new people of God, verse 32. Again, the Holy Spirit's going to forge an uncommon unity in the church. It's our mirror. It's what we should look like. Grace Bible Church. Very small part of a larger whole. Uh, uncommon unity. Uh, so we read here that the community of those who have believed were of one heart and one soul. Uh, verse 32, Acts uh, chapter 4. Uh, in my own mind, the heart and soul are parallel. Uh, but the greater point is they were one. They were one. This is very uncommon. Think of the United States of America and the political realm. You think there's a measure of disunity in our country? Yeah, yeah, I kind of think so. Uh, the way it is, that's, that's the way of man, to create disunity, to sow the seeds of disunity. Uh, but it should not be so in the church. To be an uncommon unity because of the work of the Spirit. And the Spirit is going to work that unity. Apart from Him, we would be just like the world. I'm not so sure that much of the disunity in many churches is because the churches have become to look more like the world than they do like the Bible tells them how they ought to look in uh, Holy Scriptures, the mirror. that tells us what we should look like. And what should we look like? Grace Bible Church? Uh, uncommon unity forged by the Spirit, a gift. Uh, this, uh, this verse here, uh, Acts chapter 4, verse 32, is, uh, is a continuation of something that's already been occurring. And that continuation is the continuity and union, unity. If you look at chapter 2, uh, verse 42, they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, and to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And everyone kept feeling a sense of awe, and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles, and all those who had believed were together and had all things in common. Together, unified, made one. Why? Because of some government? Or the president of some organization? No, because of Acts 2 and the gift of the Spirit. It forges it. So continuity, the continuity between Acts chapter 4, verse 32, and Acts chapter 2. Continuity is incredibly important in the life of the church. We continue doing the things of our Savior and of the apostles. Again, I suggested to you earlier, uh, 
that uh, the Trinity acts in total unity. And the church should mirror that. Uh, as, uh, as was the case in Acts chapter 2, the passage from which I read, so here in Acts chapter 4, the imperfect uh, tense uh, dominates. Uh, the uh, uh, aspect or the action of the imperfect tense is continual action. In the case of the imperfect tense, in past time. But notice continual. They were continuing to do the things that they've been doing. Uh, more particularly, they continue and keep doing the same things that they've been doing. And we can trace it not just to Acts chapter 2, we can trace it to the ministry of Jesus Christ. That's what we should look like. Uh, that's why I've told you, for example, as an illustration, uh, repeatedly uh, in the life of this church, that if I introduce something new, uh, you should be terrified. Because I don't introduce things new. I continue to do the things that we have been doing based upon the example of the church and based upon the uh, example of Jesus Christ, our Redeemer. I don't introduce new things. I certainly don't introduce new theology. We just keep doing what they did. Uh, and again, only the Spirit can do this, and this is why I call it an uncommon unity. But the Spirit makes it common in the church. Uh, think about the, uh, the unity of the church and the broad scheme of church history. Uh, Protestant Reformation as a recovery of the great truths that had been lost uh, by the church. And God begins to act in the greatest revival of all time. Uh, unfortunately, Martin Luther begins the first division in the church. He breaks with uh, Calvin and many of the reformers in terms of the spiritual presence of Jesus Christ in the Lord's table. Yes, great men do bad things sometimes. And Luther, I think, was errant here. Because at that point, now there was the Reformed Church and the Lutheran Church. But there's one church, isn't there? Isn't that the point of the book of Acts and the New Testament? One church? What was Luther doing? Uh, it's very... Very important, I think, that there's historic evidence that later in his life, uh, Luther acknowledged that he'd made a mistake and came to agree with Calvin uh, in terms of Calvin's uh, view of uh, the Scriptures and the spiritual presence of Jesus Christ. Not physical presence, that's, that's impossible, even though some churches believe uh, there is a physical presence and the elements are transformed and some mystical way. The spiritual presence of Christ, the Holy Spirit. So Luther was an heir, this great man, of which was a key element in uh, striking the match to uh, the fumes of uh, church renewal. What a reminder to each of us. In terms of church unity, don't play Luther. Uh, I think of uh, 
beyond uh, beyond Luther. Uh, how many church denominations are there in the world today? I don't know. Over a thousand, I'm sure. Maybe ten thousand. I thought there was one church. <laughs> Isn't that the point of the scriptures? There's one church. So men break things. That's the way of man. Be careful of breaking things. Uh, I know I've reminded you on uh, occasions that uh, the great parliamentarian Roberts who gave to us Roberts' rules of order. I used it in college. I've used it all types of meetings. Roberts' rules of order to establish order in a meeting. You know what it was written for? A church that was out of control. Really? We need Robert's Rules of Order? Uh, I remind you, we have the Bible. Imagine that. Uh, there's always new fads coming to the church. We should be very careful. Uh, I don't make hula hoops. You know, they come and go. What we should be engaging in is a continuity of life and action. The mirror that's before us. And there's always perpetual movement and shifting of people engaging. Uh, I would remind you that there is one way, that there is one exodus. It's the last ex exodus and Christ is the way. Just one way and one exodus. It's important to be on it. It's a beautiful picture of this in my own mind. Uh, uh, someone... Uh, in our church was sharing with me about a uh, young woman who, uh, who lost her husband. And uh, some suspicion about medical issues and the loss of a husband, but obviously it's a great tragedy. Uh, but the church she had been attending so rallied around her in an expression of love and unity than an anesthesiologist who had been attempting to care for her husband, who was not a Christian, became a Christian. That's the ministry, ladies and gentlemen, of the church. A unified church. Not a church of Robert's rules and orders and a church of 10,000 denominations, but one church. One church. That's the witness of the church. A unified church. To men and women who are outside the faith. Imagine that, an anesthesiologist coming to faith because of a unified church. So should it be. A uh, couple of uh, texts here that I think are very important. Ephesians chapter 4, uh, verses 3 to 5. I've uh, shared. Uh, verse 3, a uh, number of occasions, stressing unity, but being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. Again, we don't create the unity, do we? The Spirit does. We are given the task to preserve it. And the Spirit is the enabling power. Being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace, there is one body, one Spirit, just as also you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. Be very careful of making many out of one. Now, that's what uh, our adversaries do. Uh, we should be careful. 
Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 to 3. If therefore there is any encouragement in Christ, if there is any consolation of love, if there is any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and compassion, make my joy complete by being of the same mind. Notice mind. Luke is telling us the church is of one heart and one mind, being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose, do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but in humility of mind. Be very careful of selfishness. Be very careful of doing your own thing. Uh, So we need continual reminders, do we not? The point of the Scriptures is a mirror to uh, tell us uh, uh, we need perhaps to change our appearance. Uh, uh, Again, the oneness is a reference to the inner man. And the one spirit, uppercase, creates that spirit, lowercase, in the life of the church. It's a beautiful uh, reminder of the fact that there is a standing up of a new national entity, I think, from this text, uh, from an Old Testament allusion, uh, in similar words that are found in Acts chapter 4 and uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 5. Turn in your Old Testament to uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6. Uh, We read in verse 5, And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. Uh, Heart. Uh, The church of Acts is of one heart. Uh, The context here, of course, is how to love God. And uh, the church should be unified in uh, singularity of intent and purpose and one love for the one true God who manifests himself in uh, three eternal co-equal persons. We're to love God in one heart, all of your soul, all your might. The word might I'll address uh, a little bit later. Uh, Moses is telling the people uh, how to love God. And it's occurring in Acts chapter 4. Because they were of one heart and soul. I think that's eschatological fulfillment. The old failed. God is beginning new in the Holy Spirit. And it's happening. Old Testament, they failed. Now it's happening in the book of Acts. So, the Spirit of God creates theological and corporate unity. And it's what's occurring in Acts 4 in a very escalated way because of the Spirit. If you you look back in the uh, uh, Old Testament, Deuteronomy chapter uh, 6 and verse 5, we are reminded with the simplicity of the words of heart and soul and power will come into play uh, momentarily, uh, it's an incredible reminder as to what we should look like. Unified. Uh, 
in, uh, in Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 12 is a warning, as there should be. It's a warning to this church. Make sure the mirror is not broken when you look at it. Then watch yourself lest you forget the Lord who brought you from the land of Egypt out of the house of slavery. It's a redemptive uh, reminder. In our case, we were brought out of the house of slavery by the power of God. Slavery to sin, slavery to Satan, slavery to the world. Uh, and we were made new in the new creation. So, don't forget. Don't play fast and loose with the mirror. We're one. Uh, and we need to be reminded of that. The nation of Israel forgot God and wandered. Reminder to us. Another reminder of this in Jeremiah 32-39. That because they forgot and wandered, God's going to do something radically new. Jeremiah 32-39, and I will give them one heart and one way. Guess when the greater reality of that began? We're reading it here in Acts 4. Began in Acts 2. Standing up a new national identity and unity by the power of the Spirit. Uh, God does heart surgery and gives us one heart. And that's why we should have uh, a unified heart in terms of our theology and the content and our actions, forsaking selfishness, uh, lest we forget God. Uh, it's also uh, uh, a reminder of what the old Israel looked like. Jeremiah 32, 33, And they have turned their back to me and not their face, Though I taught them teaching again and again, they would not listen and receive my instruction. And so they broke from God. Uh, happens uh, here uh, in our own culture. Really, the culture is all over the world. Uh, because these things are examples for us. Uh, don't forget God. Uh, be very careful. Don't turn your back on God. Begin to wander. I think many American professing Christian denominations have done just that. Their headquarters have become corrupted. They introduce new doctrines and uh, new morality. Ladies and gentlemen, there's nothing new. There's no new morality. But we're introducing it. Many major denominations uh, begins in the headquarters and then begins to slowly sleep down until every local church becomes infected with it. Should not be. There's one church. But now there are many because it's a way of man. I uh, witness on occasion to people that say, well, my local church is different. Really? Uh, I served a number of years in the army. I can tell you emphatically when the headquarters is corrupt, it'll get to the local level very soon and quickly. 
And so when there's a break with uh, uh, national unity, people should be very careful. Very careful. Uh, so we need to be reminded, as the prophets do, the beautiful reminder of the new creation in Ezekiel 36.26. Old Testament prophets telling us what the new people of God are going to look like. And in Ezekiel 36.26, we read, Moreover, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. On a national level, when did that begin? How about Acts 2? How about the continuity of it in Acts 4? The new heart making one. Out of many, one. One people, one heart, one soul, one content, unified. God makes one. An immediate example is the triune Godhead. They act in unison. Great way to test theology is the Trinity and their actions unified. Does the Son do what the Father tells him to do? Does he purchase exactly those whom the Father told him to purchase? Does the Spirit apply it to those whom the Son purchased and the Father so directed? Of course, the answer is yes. But many churches are out of sync with that theologically because they're trying to establish something new. I'm telling you, something new may be something very wrong. But it's the way of man. So the Spirit will come and give one heart in one way. A fulfillment, again, uh, is in Acts 4, but it should be at 10301 Lakeside Drive. Uh, and the redemptive context is the New Covenant that Christ is inaugurating a new national identity. Uh, and the Spirit begins uh, uh, to, to bring it. Uh, the, uh, the evidence of that continuity uh, of the new creation here is in the claim of uh, common ownership uh, as an expression of brotherly love. It's just an expression uh, of uh, brotherly love. And not one of them claimed that anything belonging to him was not his own, but all things were in common property to them. And uh, this is expanded on in verses 34 to 35 and intensified in the introduction of Barnabas. Uh, Luke is introducing a new person who's going to come on the stage, and Barnabas is going to play a key action in the unity of the church and in witness. Uh, translated, his uh, name means son of encouragement. And this too is the work of the Spirit, raising up men for a time to encourage uncommon unity. Uh, so the point of Barnabas is he is one, but he's going to represent the many, unified with the church, and he comes to encourage. Great application, be a son of encouragement. Uh, our entire physical culture sometimes exists to create 
disunity. We have sons of discouragement and disunity, but Barnabas is going to tell us what we should look like. And I'm not so sure later on in the book of Acts, he himself doesn't make a mistake, but we'll study that too. Great reminder that uh, Luke is simply telling it how it is. Uh, the truth of the Scripture reminding us that we should look differently. But here he's a son of encouragement. Uh, and we need sons of encouragement, and uh, Acts 5 uh, is an illustration because we're going to look at disunity within the church. It's going to happen. We're going to look how that uh, church responds to it uh, subsequent. God's grace, uh, if we're here next uh, Sunday, and I trust by God's grace we will be. A beautiful example of uh, the opposite. Uh, John tells us a tragic picture of this in uh, 1 John uh, chapter 2 and verse 19. They went out from us, but they were not really of us. For if they had been of us, they would have remained with us. But they went out in order that they might it be shown that they are all not of us. What a great picture of unity in the midst of disunity. Some left because they were false. Reminder of theological continuity and how critical it is. Tragically, false teachers go into other denominations and get those denominations to look like them rather than the Scriptures and Christ. But that's the history of the church. Uh, more critically, there is an eschatological element in verse 34. There's not a needy, needy person among them. Uh, this too is an Old Testament illusion. Imagine that. Israel is an example what we should and should not look like. Turn with me, if you would, to Deuteronomy chapter 15 and verse 4. Context is the sabbatical provision for remission of debts and servitude. Deuteronomy 15:4. However, there shall be no poor among you, since the Lord will surely bless you in the land which the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance to possess. No poor. Guess what's happening in Acts 4? There are no poor because the church provides for the needs of the saints. Deuteronomy chapter 15, uh, verses 7 to 9. If there's a poor man within you, one of your brothers in any of your towns or your land, which the Lord your God has given you, you shall not harden your heart nor close your hand from your poor brother. But you shall freely open your hand to him and shall generously lend him sufficient for his need in whatever he lacks. What's happening in the book of Acts? So greater fulfillment of Deuteronomy 15. There were needs, the church roads to meet those needs. Now notice the warning. There's always a warning. Applies to us as well. Beware, verse 9, Deuteronomy 15, beware lest there's a base thought in your heart, saying, the seventh year, the year of remission is near, and your eye is hostile towards your poor brother, and you give him nothing then he may cry to the Lord against you, and it will be a sin in you. I think what is happening in Acts is the fulfillment of the spirit of Deuteronomy chapter 5. Deuteronomy 5 is written to physical Israel. 
Uh, Acts chapter 4 is written to spiritual Israel. But a greater fulfillment. There's a need. God acts. The church provides. And uh, redemptive context, verse 15. Reminder of our redemption from Egypt. Should be the driving force of all of our attempts at unity. God made us through the Passover lamb, Jesus Christ. So the spirit of this is now playing out in the intensity of the voluntary disposition of property for the needs of the saints. It defines for me that the spirit has begun a new people, a believing people, a resurrected people in the church as a new Israel. And again, this is not a, I just say this in terms of instruction, this is not a proof for socialism uh, because socialism never works. Uh, and the Bible always works. Uh, because this is done at the ecclesiastical level and not at the level of civil government. But it is a reminder to us as Christians, I know you own private property. Nothing wrong with that at all. Just be reminded it belongs to God. Uh, and don't harden your heart against a needy brother or sister. Uh, just everything we have belongs to God. Uh, our cars, our bank accounts, our 401k. Uh, I think other than we gather money for missionary support, I've never asked anyone for anything. But I know with respect of all of my property from my house to jewelry, to the glasses, to the shoes, that all belongs to God, and I'm a steward. And I want to be a good steward. Pray that I would be, and so should all of us. Well, from a unified church, let's look at uh, the actions of the church in witness. Verse 33. With great power, the apostles were giving witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and abundant grace was upon them all. The apostles in the midst of opposition kept on giving witness. Kept on, they didn't stop. Opposition is meant to intimidate us. We cannot be intimidated. The apostles are not. The content of their witness is what? The resurrection of Jesus Christ. The content is as important as the action. I remember I had a good friend. He's since uh, left the United States for Canada. Uh, who uh, belonged to a major uh, Protestant denomination who told me that in his church uh, a priest uh, could uh, deny the physical resurrection of Jesus Christ. Really? How about 1 John uh, chapter 2, verse 19? Uh, they should leave because that is violating the content of witness. And it becomes infectious. False teachers carry uh, an infectious disease and they recruit. It's the nature of false witness. And here it is, rampant in a, a very prominent Protestant denomination. Uh, the resurrection is central to the gospel. If there was no physical resurrection, you and I are wasting our time at Grace Bible Church. The reason we're here is because there was one. It drives us. It's the essence of our hope. It's a driving force to look for His coming. 
We were dead in sin. The Spirit made us alive to believe in a dead man who conquered death and rose again. You violate that logical construct. You're violating the content of the faith and you're in disunity with the church of Jesus Christ. He was a dead man and he came to life. He conquered death. And therefore, he's the only shepherd beyond the grave. That's why I'm a Christian. This is not a club. This is not a meeting on Sunday. This is a people made alive by the power of the Spirit who have believed in the actions of a dead man who came to life. Most incredible event of all time in history. Use the resurrection in your witness. To me, it's an undeniable historic proof. But I understand. Uh, dead men uh, uh, don't, uh, don't believe in what is alive unless they have the Spirit and the grace of God. In the Greek text, the phrase with great power uh, occurs first, meaning the importance of the Spirit. With great power, it takes the Spirit to forge a new people, uh, a new unity, and uh, continuing witness of the content of the Gospel. Uh, the word uh, power, by the way, returning back to Deuteronomy 6.5, uh, uh, occurs in that text. Maybe as a marker here that that power is now present in the gift of the Spirit. Again, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, or power. That's the word in the Greek text. How do we get that power? The Spirit is power. And the old uh, Israel failed in this. They're in their love for idolatry. God and the Spirit is starting over in a new creation with a new Israel that will not fail because it's by His power and grace. His power and grace. But the mirror is important. Are you violating the unity? Are you playing Luther? Are you denying that there was a physical resurrection of Jesus Christ? Uh, take to heart. You're, uh, you're breaking the mirror. Uh, and you're, you're, you're in a serious way. Uh, the witness defines us as the new people of God. Uh, uh, the witness with biblical content defines us. If you witness, but you do not have a biblical content, you don't have a true witness. You have a false witness. It's the point of 1 John chapter 2, verse 19. They went out from us because they were not of us. The point in so many Protestant denominations is they don't want to go out from us. They want to stay and corrupt. Uh, it's a very dangerous path to take. It will never work. Uh, their consolation is, well, let's just love. Let's just love error. Let's just love falsehood until we change it. No, more likely than not, it'll change you, which is what happens over and over again. Uh, great reminder of our of our uh, new uh, identity and witness in uh, Revelation uh, chapter 1 and verse 5. Revelation chapter 1, verses 5 and 6. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness. Notice faithful witness. Do you think we're to mirror that? Absolutely. The firstborn of the dead. We're going to be the many sons who are are going to beat death. And the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us and who released us from our sins by his blood, and he made us to be a kingdom priest to his God and Father. 
It's an allusion to Exodus 19.6, which is what Israel was to be. Uh, they failed. Uh, God comes and creates new hearts by the power of the Spirit. We are kingdom priests. And we should be unified in witness, in unity, and in the content of our theology. Uh, so the evidence of what we should look like is in Acts chapter 4. Uh, unified in terms of who God is and what He did. Continuing to witness because that is what God made us. Kingdom priests on this earth. God standing up a new national unity. And of course, content. Seemingly it goes without saying, but it should not. Content is radically important. Uh, the evidence is clear in the book of Acts. Is it clear? 10301 Lakeside Drive. I trust in God's grace it is. But beyond trusting in His grace, I pray every day the power of the Spirit to make it so. So that this address will look like Acts 2 and Acts 4 and what the heck, the rest of the book of Acts. The Spirit is the enabling power and may it always be so. So that when we look into the mirror of the Bible, we will see a reflection of what the Bible tells us we should look like. And may that be our appearance by God's grace.